This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being, being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. What if you are only ever to be yourself in pieces? What if you is too rich a masterpiece for someone to view as a whole? So you are forced to break yourself down into digestible pieces. Like light, you secretly contain all. But people can only view what is reflected back to them. Sometimes I wonder if sunlight gets lonely. To be seen, it has to lose itself in another so it cannot be without another. But with another, it is never itself. I often feel like sunlight, the soft orange glow gliding hesitantly up the sidewalk at dawn, the harsh midday glare outlining mistakes made, the sunset fighting against its own retreat. People never notice the warmth I provide until they lose it to the seasons, writes Nicole in her book, A Life Cycle. Valeria interviews Nicole Ashira. She is the author of A Life Cycle, A Guide to Healing and Rediscovering Your Life. Nicole Ashira is the young debut author of an inspiring and moving poetry book, A Life Cycle, A Guide to Healing and Rediscovering Your Life. Her goal with her words and art is to break your heart with the raw emotion that her pieces evoke. She hopes you find joy in heartbreak, as she always does. She is an artist whose main mediums are poetry, film, photography, and abstract oil painting. But she has a habit of dabbling in whatever sparks her creative juices. Switching between mediums of expression, Nicole tries to connect readers to intimate moments, feelings, and relationships experienced throughout life. She recently had two short stories published in literary magazines. Her adventurous and curious spirit led her to backpack by herself as a teen across 15 countries. The University of Roehampton in England offered her to attend its Creative Writing Poetry MFA program. Despite her not having a bachelor's degree, they were drawn to her ability to describe the abstract feeling of emotions in a way that resonates with all types of people. Nicole employs this skill to help others come closer to the emotions they experience so they can name them, process, and release them. Nicole, raised by a psychologist, was a peer counselor from ages 11 to 16. She has volunteered with Showing Up for Racial Justice, SURG, and other grassroots organizations that have synthesized to give her a broad understanding of people's individual struggles and how to capture them in art. She is an intersectional feminist who is focused on social justice, the environment, and criminal justice. She is an artist in the truest sense of the word. She is masterful in her penetrating word use to captivate her audience. She looks at life through a lens of curiosity and empathy to holistically portray raw emotional experiences in the medium, art, poetry, and photography that will resonate with viewers most. She resides in Los Angeles, California. Meet Nicole at NicoleAshira.com. 
Here's the interview with Nicole Ashira. In your own words, who is Nicole Ashera? Nicole Ashera is a poet, an artist, a photographer, and just someone that likes to really delve into internal work and thought processes and really dig into how we relate to ourselves and the world around us through different mediums of expression. That sounds wonderful to me. I love what you do and how you do it. It's just very inspiring. Thank you. The question is, how did you discover this path to creativity as an expression of your soul, of yourself? Well, I think when I was really young, I was always into creative outlets. And weirdly enough, I totally disappeared from that. I went a very like math, science, goal-oriented route for most of like the next formative years. And I think I realized, you know, that there was so much I didn't get to say to the world and so much that I wanted to really bring forward of myself that I wasn't. And it was through kind of reintroducing myself to creative elements that I think, you know, I still loosely had in the background, but I always thought, you know, oh, that's not serious or I'm not good enough to pursue that kind of career. And so when I just kind of let myself express myself naturally and really do that for fun um, and healing purposes, it just took a hold of me really fast and became my whole life. There's something about coming from the depth of ourselves that it's so new in a way. It's almost like something that has never been expressed, although, you know, so many people express themselves and they come up with art and words that are similar, but it's never the same. So it's fascinating how we say in a way the same thing, but in different, unique ways. And that represents life, right, Nicole? Because that's what life is, diversity. Everything's so unique, so different, but so connected. Totally agree. The way I see it, it's almost like uh, this connectivity is a spiritual one, which is about seeing the divine in everything, in everyone and everything around me. So I wonder what are, are your views on spirituality? Do you have spiritual practices, ideas, visions? I am spiritual. I was actually atheist for most of my life. Yeah. But in the past few years, I've definitely gotten really immersed in spirituality. For me, like how I practice it is always changing because it's really about what I find, you know, sometimes I need rituals because they really work for grounding. And sometimes, you know, that's not the type of energy or the best way for me to like channel my version of spirituality. But overall, I think it's really like reflected in just how I like trust in myself and in life to kind of 
flow the way it's meant to, as long as I'm showing up and really trying to be my best self. Yeah, I usually say, which has been said, but I have adopted that in a true way to me, that I don't have a life, I am life. So that it kind of opens up this space for possibilities because I know there's no one in control here. So it's such a beautiful place to be in. It's kind of freeing, liberating in a way. Definitely. Another question that came to me, let me see if I can remember, talking about spirituality. There's something that you said that caught my attention. I have heard from one of my guests, a beautiful phrase that she said, the goal of healing is to release all fears. Does it make sense to you, Nicole? That's interesting. I've yeah. never really thought about that. Right. I don't know. I think, I'm not sure it's possible in the physical realm to really get to a place where there's no fears. Um, but I think fears are really interesting and important to learn more about yourself and to kind of see what's next for you and where you should be heading. I'm, I'm a, I've always been a person that I kind of, I like doing the things that scare me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Another question is about the healing, going back to healing, actually. What are the obstacles to healing from your perspective? I mean, I think, at least for me, the hardest part, no matter how many times I've done it, is really that starting process of kind of knowing there's something you have to sit with, some kind of hard, heavy emotion, and really being like, okay, I'm going to give myself room and I'm not going to be afraid of what comes up or that. I think there's always that like fear that if you let it out, you're never going to get it back in or get past it. Um, and so while I do think it gets easier at least for me, I've yet to reach a point where I'm like, oh yeah, I'm not, I never get a little bit of like anxiety or nerves. Yeah. It's almost like a sense of identity, isn't it? We are holding on to almost like fixed ideas, solid ideas of who we are. And trauma and pain, it's part of those identities. And then we sometimes hold on to pain because that's all we know anyway. I have seen that. I have done that myself. I see people around me doing that which is interesting to watch. Yeah. I think we live in a world like where, you know, we we want things defined really fast and like short and immediate. And so I think it makes the fact that we're all really fluid and constantly changing and learning and growing kind of hard for us to lean into at times. And speaking of times, <laughs> uh, I usually don't talk about current events. But what have you learned from the latest happenings, per se, 2020, the coronavirus, and then all the social issues we had here or uh, expressions? And then now we have this war between Russia and Ukraine. I would love to hear from you. What are some of the insights you gained from all that? I think for me, I really learned how much hope and belief I have in people in the world. I think it's so easy to be 
overwhelmed by all the terrible things and to feel hopeless about it. And I think, you know, there was definitely in the beginning, I like had to work, you know, when a lot of the, we were in the thick of lockdown and then Black Lives Matter was really coming to a head, you know, it was definitely hard to get past like the outrage and the like hopelessness of the situation. But I think I've found, you know, so much of like the beautiful thing about humanity is that, you know, bad things happen all the time, but there are always people fighting to make it better and really like stepping up in ways that are just so inspiring and astounding. And I think that just kind of inspires me. Sometimes I wonder why it takes tragedy or deep suffering for us to come together in such a way, like to connect deeply and kind of work together towards something greater than ourselves. That I wonder, I guess, is part of the human experience, isn't it? And with that in mind, my last warm-up question is about the purpose of being here. What do you think the purpose of the human experience is? For me, I know that I've always found my reason for existing in this lifetime is for me to be happy and enjoy myself and bring that to the world, like bringing a good energy and love and happiness. I think probably overall, it's just learning to grow, learning to you know, find hope and love and happiness in situations, no matter how challenging. I love that, Nicole. Yeah, it resonates true to me as well, to be happy, to enjoy ourselves and be present, right? Which happiness, I think, arises from that, from being here, being present with what is present, which I'm okay as well when the mind takes over and then it starts to wonder or go to the past and the future. I tend to accept at all. <laughs> that kind of brings me to that state of enjoyment again, because not resisting to anything. Those are spiritual practices, but I engage in them because it really, really works. It's interesting. I'm still practicing this idea or ideal of kind of finding being with the place within myself that it doesn't change. That's always quiet, still, and it has been always the same. That has been an interesting practice. So you wrote the book, A Life Cycle, A Guide to Healing and Rediscovering Your Life. Talk to me about the main inspiration and intention of writing your book. Well, the book was written without any real intention. Um, I have been a writer for like seven plus years now. And so I always keep a journal on me where I can write poetry or short stories, things that I'm feeling. And I went through one of the hardest and most transformative years of my life. And I was writing poetry throughout it in my journal. And it wasn't until it was completed and I looked back on it that I realized how powerful it was and how much it could really be a tool for people 
And it wasn't just me expressing myself, that it was really made to connect people and to offer support to them. It's really, really beautiful the way you write. I mean, there's some passage that, I mean, I couldn't help it. Like the introduction of this episode is one of the passages in the poem that you write. I think one of the first ones where you say, what if you are only ever to be yourself in pieces? What if you is too rich a masterpiece for someone to view as a whole? So you are forced to break yourself down into digestible pieces. Like light, you secretly contain all. But people can only view what is reflected back to them. I mean, this is just as spiritual as it can get. <laughs> so I have that uh, It's part of the introduction, the first thing that the listeners will hear. How did this come to you? This is, to me, is like so deep and true. I think I've always really struggled with feeling like I was being seen by people. And I'm definitely someone that's really good at adjusting myself to circumstances and like to people. And because of that, it's ended up with me being a certain kind of myself in relationship with people. And You know, it's just, I always really felt so, I don't know, both trapped by it and so lonely in that experience of wondering if this is, you know, if I'm never going to be known, kind of. And I think that's something everyone struggles with, of like wanting to feel truly known and seen. And so I think at that point, I was just... I really was wondering, you know, is that something that's actually possible? You know, is there a way to really relate to people in a way that you can bring all of yourself forward? Even in the most intimate relationships, it still seems, you know, difficult to fully be recognized as like the whole that you contain because we're so complex. And there's just not words to vocalize everything. One of the questions that I have been asking to myself and reflecting upon is the reason to be here. Like, how did this happen? I mean, it's an existential kind of fundamental question about how did this come to be? If it came to be just this appearance here in a human body, this consciousness and awareness, then we must find or understand, find a way to understand how can we make it better in a way next time, <laughs> if there are many lifetimes that we get to experience, or how can we end this somehow? Because there's so much suffering here. That's one of my questions lately. Do you have any insights or would you like to add anything to that, Nicole? Yeah, I think that, I don't know, sometimes I think we try too hard to understand the why. And I think it's, there's never going to be a simple answer that we can just understand. And I think sometimes that searching and that, and focusing so much on that question can really make it so much harder to find an answer. But 
I don't know. You are an artist and you express your art through, as you said, poetry, photography and paintings. I love the water and the beach and I have seen the photography on the photos that you have taken. Beautiful. I mean, I was staring at them for a long time too. <laughs> the paintings. I love Thank the paintings you. too, especially the ones that I colored violet kind of pinkish for some reason. They yeah. always catch my attention, those colors for some reason too. And of course, your poetry is just incredibly beautiful and inspiring. Before I go on asking you more questions about your book, let me ask you another question that I wanted to ask you earlier about the travels that you have done. I know you backpacked by yourself and then you went on to visit 15 countries. So I would love to know the insights and also lessons, what experiences were so powerful to you that you can't help it but share it? I'd love to hear about those experiences that really stayed with you to this day. Oh God, I could be talking for hours. (laughs) I can imagine. (laughs) I think if I had to like kind of summarize the types of moments that really stick with me is, you know, it's When you're traveling by yourself, you really get to connect with the people and the energy of each place. And it's just shocking how, you know, kind and generous people are Mm, at times because like I have like the amount of people like or like at restaurants, like a waiter finding out I'm traveling alone and stuff and being like, oh my God, like, well, I have friends here. Like, let me give you their number or let me like recommend this place. This is where you have to go. Or, you know, like everyone, obviously there, you have to be discerning while you're traveling, but it's just such a connecting experience that despite language barriers at times, despite different upbringings or you know, cultural morals and beliefs, you can still find this, you know, empathy, this generosity and this kindness of people just wanting to connect and help. Another question I have for you is about um, the book. It's um, structured in four parts, the shattering and then the healing and then light shines through and then the loving. And also most of your poems, they don't have titles. So I'd love to hear the reason why you decided to arrange your book in in this way. Well, the reason I was very against titles for my book is because I've always viewed my book as a real whole. It's not about any individual poem. It's really about the journey throughout. And so while there are a few titles slipped in, I didn't want to, I've always found at times when I'm reading a poetry collection that having title after title like takes me out of the holistic experience. And so that was really important that I made sure everything flowed together And then the reason for the sections, and I actually, technically, I guess there's six sections, but only four of them are titled. 
I think the titling is nice to add some kind of structure, but also allowing people to see that, you know, I didn't just take every sad poem I wrote that year and put it in the shattering. You know, there's, you can see hope and sadness and pain throughout every section. It's just about kind of like the overarching mentality. And I, so the reason actually that two of the sections aren't titled is because I really, I wanted it to just begin as how you feel as a person. You know, you don't have this like big event that's like made you into who you are. You know, it definitely could be a catalyst, but like if you look deeper, you know, the year before something really traumatic happens in your life or something really life-changing happens, you know, you were still thinking about certain similar things. You were still expressing yourself in some similar ways. It just becomes amplified. It gets much more brought to the forefront of your mind. And so I just I didn't want it to, I think it's so limiting sometimes when we just start at the the horrific event and then like the coming through it. It's like we existed before that. He wrote something, a statement that you said, life isn't always what we hope it to be, but always ends up being so much more meaningful than imagined. That is so true. And I wonder why it happens the way it does. <laughs> Do you believe in um, almost like a design, that life has a design, and we are not really in control as individuals, as people, as we think we are? That is such a funny question, because I think so much of my viewpoint on that question has actually changed a lot in the last few months. But um, I... No, I think that we are truly in control of our life and our path and destiny. I think there, how I view it is really that there, there's obviously a lot of things out of our control, but what we have control over is the path we take and like what we bring to the world and therefore like the kind of energy and experiences we get back. So, you know, we can't, you can't plan this perfect life and get every physical thing. But if you're, if you know what you want, I guess, spiritually, emotionally, intellectually, like on, if you know conceptually what you want and you really live your life reflecting that kind of value and that kind of energy, I think you do have control. I think you bring those kinds of likenesses to you and you push away any of the kinds of experiences, energies that you don't really want or that aren't maybe aren't going to teach you what you need to get where you want. That's an interesting way of thinking. Maybe we're just using words. I think the word control To me, it kind of refers or sounds like we are trying to manage life itself 
like you said earlier, try to understand, just going a little bit too hard. <laughs> so the word control, maybe we can use a different one. What about guide? Mm, yes, that's a beautiful one. Yes, yes, yeah. Being guided, right, by the light of the awareness of who we are in a sense of the heart, I call it. Some people call it God or, or even life itself, the way I call it too, the divine. So I like guide better, Nicole. Yeah, being guided by the light of one's soul, as some people might say too. And kind of being open enough to see the options, the ones that will be beneficial for ourselves and others, and the ones that wouldn't be. So, yeah, I love that better. <laughs> no control, but um, being guided. Thank you for saying that. Yeah, that's a beautiful word, too. There's a statement also that you make. You say, mental health must be incorporated into our everyday thoughts and practices. So I'd love to hear more about this statement. Well, I think we, even though mental health in the last decade or so has really been vocalized a lot more, gotten more common in mainstream culture to be talked about and acknowledged, I think there's this idea that, you know, you it's almost like you get this like sickness and then you heal and then like you're better or you have like this chronic illness and you're this other entity in the world. And I just, I think mental health is just like how we do, we care on a day-to-day basis about our physical health. You know, it's about just kind of going for a walk, drinking a glass of water you know, eating, making sure you're getting some nutrients that you needed that day. And I think that we should start viewing mental health in that way instead of only really talking about it and um, centering it when it's like very big and prominent, you know, because before, because everyone has anxieties, everyone has insecurities and fears and these things. And I think the reason so many, it gets to such a, um, how do I put this? Such a prominent role in people's life is because they weren't able to really acknowledge it, express it or get help for it until it was debilitating or really changing their whole existence in the world. Sometimes it's uh, also important to kind of be open when the mind is shifting or it's not in a good place in the sense of negativity, negative self-talk. I usually give space to it too and then let it flow and, and just stay with it instead of trying to push away or find a way to escape it and replace it with something else. So that also helps to understand what's happening and why it's happening. Uh, would you like to add anything to that? I mean, I definitely agree. I think emotions kind of become less intense in a way or less at least debilitating when you can just acknowledge it to yourself or to others. Like I've always found it really important when people ask me how I am, like I always answer honestly. Mm, yeah. yeah. You know, and I may yeah. not like, 
dump a really like sad or stressful week on a stranger, but I'll be like, you know, honestly, it's kind of been hard, but I'm getting through it or I'm excited for this. Like, but I don't ever lie about and say, oh, it's been great when I actually am really struggling. There's um, another question that I was trying to not make a question out of it, but a statement that you say about the meaning of healing and also healing wounds, trauma, and also finding self-love. So that's another perspective I would love to hear from you. What is your idea of self-love? What is to love oneself? I gotta say, you're really giving me new questions <laughs> that I've never vocalized before. Um, I think my definition of self-love is, you know, recognizing both my positive and negative traits, you know, all my insecurities or ways that I it can leak out in me. And, you know, no, except that overall, like, I'm happy with what I bring to the world and that I'm always trying to better myself and to just balance out anything I need to balance out. And I think that that really just allows me to relish in things, whether or not they're maybe what others would consider the greatest qualities to have. I can say, you know, I really like this about myself. And with the negative ones, you know, I try to remember that there are positive versions of those traits. And so if I, you know, if I have a tendency to um, overplan things or be a little like ha having to have control, I can, you know, recognize that as something I need to work on, but reframe it to remember like, oh, I'm not horrible for having this thing because I can work on it and just be a good planner, be someone that helps facilitate things for people and helps them remember things that sometimes slip people's minds. So the balance, I love this idea of dance that we can kind of be okay with the let's say, not so pleasant parts of ourselves and trying to balance them. And that's another idea we have that balance is a destination, a place to stay or self-love. It's um, uh, loving oneself unconditionally all the time, at all times. And that's, it's just not realistic. So yeah, hmm. self-love is, is one of my favorite topics, I guess, because for so long, I was not accepting myself the way I was and everything that had happened. And once uh, those lights came through, it's just changed everything. So it's a beautiful practice. Before we end the conversation today, I have a few questions. But before that, I'd like to read uh, so many of the passages here in your book that caught my attention. I love when you say, <clears throat> somewhere in your book, you say, the truth is all we have is today. That really caught my attention because it's so true. Or this moment even, right, if we can even make it more urgent. And then you say, you write, humanity is most beautiful when we could choose to be our worst, but decide to be our best. 
When there isn't light to be seen, we make it for others. This is beautifully said too. And I love the way you talk here, the words choose and decide. That really caught my attention. So choosing, we could choose to be the worst, but we decide not to. Would you like to make a comment about that, Nicole? Well, I think that it really goes back to kind of what I love about traveling. Um, I just, you know, the world is light and dark, you know, it's an element of balance. And so it's about not getting bogged down kind of by the fact that there, there is dark, you know, and recognizing that what's so beautiful is that, you know, people still, despite hardships and pain, people get up every day and they try to make it better for themselves and the, and the people coming after them. And then you also write somewhere in your book, I think under the loving section, love me like I am whole and I will love you like you are here. That's another one that stopped me. <laughs> I couldn't go anywhere here. And then you, you write, life is a cycle, but it doesn't have to be of pain. Life is a cycle of growth and regrowth. I have never needed clear skies to find beauty outside. I've never needed a planned life to know it's not mine. Powerfully said, too deep. <laughs> we learn to find love, and in love, we find joy. And with joy, we make beauty, the beauty of life. I love the way you write. It's just... Um, incredibly deep and sincere. It's just very natural. <laughs> That's the word that comes to me. It's natural. And it makes me think about nature. That's what it is too. So I love, love, love how you express yourself in this reality, Nicole. Really, truly beautiful. Thank you so much again for being you. Thank you. I really You've opened my perspective to new words to describe stuff that I do, honestly. Before I ask you my final questions, would you like to add anything else or read a passage, a poem in your book? Um, sure, I'd love to, even okay. though you read so no, many great me. quotes. <laughs> yeah. Now I'm like, which? what do I choose? You really did me justice. Um, I will go with one of my favorite introductory pieces, kind of, with the situation in our world right now. It's the first poem of The Healing. People say wounds take time to heal. It's easy to think they're gone since it's hard to see their effects sometimes. But no matter what you do to dress the wounds, you need time to mend I've started to recognize that also applies to life. We're told we can just fix our problems and we want to believe that. There is control in this way of thinking versus recognizing that despite what can be said and done, wounds still take time to heal. But since time is now a commodity, we worry we won't have enough to fix what is broken, so we don't. We don't stop. We keep moving keep injuring ourselves until we are falling apart before our very eyes. 
We give ourselves enough respite to put bandages on what needs stitches. Then we continue. With our heads held high, we live, racing forwards to the future. And we wonder why blood continues to trail behind us wherever we go. Incredibly beautiful. Thank you again, Nicole. Thank you for having me. What is another word for freedom? Hmm. I think of honesty within ourselves. Yeah, honesty within ourselves, right? Yeah, that very much resonates true. I love that, that answer. And my last question is, what three experiences you wish everyone to have before they lose the body, before they die? Okay, well, this one, my go-to, I tell everyone, I think every single person should try solo traveling at some point in their life. I think it's just such a brilliant way to learn about yourself and how you really interact and exist in the world. Um, I think I think that everyone should fall in love. I mean, just and but I think they should fall in that kind of first love, giggly teenager, adoration kind of love. I think it's an important experience. And then what else? Um, I think that everyone should tap into their creativity and be more conscious of that side of themselves. Because I think, you know, we label certain people as being creative and others as not, when really we all are constantly exploring ideas and pushing boundaries and remaking things. And I'm a big believer in having people recognize that. So like, if you're a math and science person, you're still creating, you're still you know, making new thoughts and discoveries and ideas. And that's just the more we can give into that and stuff, the more connected we will feel in ourselves, I think. I absolutely love the way you express yourself. It's just so, it resonates with my heart. Thank you again, Nicole, for being you, for doing what you do, for helping others to rediscover themselves through creativity and that self-love, that beautiful depth that we all have. Thank you so much again. And before we say goodbye today, where can we find more information about you, your books, products, services, and future projects? Well, I have a website, NicoleAshira.com, and that has my books, paintings, photographies. Um, and then if you're interested in purchasing a life cycle, it's available everywhere that books are sold on the internet, Barnes and Nobles, Amazon, bookshop.org. Your local bookshop can also order it for you if you want. I'll have the link to the Amazon on your podcast profile and your website too. Thank you again. And we'll talk soon, Nicole. Bye for now. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening. 
To learn more about Nicole Ashira and her work, please visit NicoleAshira.com. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. Thank you again for listening and bye for now.